0: Thanks for joining us at Summit Church. No matter where you are at on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are excited to share God's word with you through this week's message. Uh, Listen, I just want to show you something here. I have in front of me here a set of keys. I, I, I didn't lose these, and I don't think you lost them. We found these. Uh, we found these at a closing we had Wednesday morning uh, for our new church. Come on. Yeah. I want to show you exactly. Uh, we signed a thing 11, 12 o'clock, and by 2 or 3 o'clock, we had a dumpster in there and uh, started dismantling uh, Thursday and Friday and yesterday morning, and uh, that thing has gone. It was there. And this is uh, kind of pictures of the building that people have been working on this uh, process just the last couple days, just demolishing, and there's a lot of dust, man, people cleaning the dust. There's a baptistry. In fact, go back to that one. That we actually inherited a baptistry with this building. Come on now. Isn't that cool? That's oh, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> wow. So some of y'all are going to need that in a few uh, <laughs> few months. I'm just putting gonna put that out there. And uh, so just appreciate all the people working, and And uh, jumping in there as as the work is just beginning, and it's a process, so we appreciate your uh, giving towards that building program, and it's coming along, and it's going to be wonderful. Well, I don't know if you heard about the three sisters. They all live together, 96-year-old, it's 94-year-old, 92-year-old. And uh, the 96-year-old was upstairs, and she was getting ready to crawl into the tub, and she's about to put her foot into the tub, the water, and she paused for a moment. She yelled and said, Hey! Am I getting in this thing or am I getting out? <laughs> her 94-year-old sister downstairs said, oh, I don't know. Let me come up and help you. And so she started walking up the stairs and she stopped about halfway and paused and said, Hey, am I coming up the stairs or going down the stairs? <laughs> Finally, the 92-year-old sister sitting at the kitchen table having tea, listening to her sister shakes her head and says, I sure hope I never am forgetful like that. Knock on wood. Hey, I'll be there in just a second after I answer the door. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Just a little fun. Just a little fun. Well, you know, we're in a 21-day of prayer and fasting, and uh, some of you may not know that, so surprise. Uh, It is your wonderful day, and we've been having a wonderful time. Wednesday nights especially has been precious uh, this past Wednesday I we encourage you to come and join us in the nights of prayer during this, trans, uh, during this prayer time, sweet presence of the Lord. And um, so we thought this morning we would talk about prayer for just a few minutes. Question for everybody here this morning, have you ever asked for something and got way more than you bargained for? Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah. Solomon is a character in the Bible, and he was one of those fellows that did the same thing. And he prayed and he asked the Lord for wisdom. And the Lord was so good to him that not only did he give him wisdom, but he gave him resources, he gave him anointing, he gave him favor, he empowered him, he he gave him peace with the, the enemies, he broadened the length and the breadth of Israel to its greatest expanse at that time. In other words, God gave him a lot more than he ever asked for. I want you to know this morning that God takes serious things that you ask for. This morning, I just want to throw this out to you that perhaps God is waiting for you to pray what I would call dangerous prayers, a dangerous prayer. Don't you, there's something about danger. Um, We all kind of like watching people live on the edge. Perhaps some of you here are those kind of people yourself. You love that danger, something about that adrenaline that comes you know, to you when you're like living in that place where there's danger and yet at the same time you're excited about it. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I can't wait to experience this, but I'm a little scared, but but this is fun. I like this. And uh, many soldiers are like that. I was talking to a soldier not long ago and he was talking about uh, their experience in the military and and, uh, they've been trained for months and months and months to go uh, and do battle and Go on missions, and finally the day came for their mission to take place. Uh, they were going to go on a mission, and so they were all prepared, they had all the equipment and all the, the weapons and everything, and they had their their uh, their, their instructions. And uh, man, they were just ready to jump on those helicopters and take off. And uh, right at that moment, the 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 signal came, the command came, uh, canceling the mission. You're not going to go. And oh, they were so disappointed. That they weren't able to go get shot at. You know what I'm saying? So, what is up with that, right? It's like we love danger, but at the same time, um, we're scared of it, but it's kind of like something we're made for. And I, I, I think God is looking for a people who will literally live dangerously. I mean, live on the edge and face fear and conquer it. I, I'm talking about doing that in a spiritual sense. We'll talk about that in a minute, but let me just give you an example of some people, 1932, who love to live dangerously. Rockefeller Center, 1932, New York City, Manhattan. And they're just taking a little lunch break. That's all, just a little lunch break. Hey, I'll meet you on the beam, you know, 68 floors up, you know, and, uh, and uh, we'll have lunch together. And they're just chit-chatting, having a good time. I noticed this morning, I didn't even notice this until this morning for a service, the guy on the right's got like a flask of whiskey, it looks like. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you feel like you're gonna die, might as well just no, don't do that, don't do that. Uh, But, but they're just having a, you know, just kind of eating a sandwich and hanging out and reading the paper, whatever. So, and so obviously after you eat, you got to have a nap. So the, so this is what happens: (laughs) that take a little nap. What do I call it? I call this. Usually call this, you know, people that live on the edge and and embrace danger. Or you call them stupid. I, you know what I'm saying? I, one of the two. There's no harnesses. There's, there's nothing holding them. There's nothing keeping them. They worked that way many times in 1932 during the Depression. And, of course, the, the end result, thank God for the people who lived dangerous, is the Rockefeller Center that you see now, 80 floors high, that we all love to enjoy and look at. But it was, it was built by people that lived on the edge, is my point. It was built by people who, who were willing to take a little risk from time to time. And so this morning, I just want to throw out this thought to you that that perhaps in the spirit dimension, God would have you live in the on the edge, that on a, on a, in a on a place in a realm that that maybe you're not even comfortable with, that you're not even really excited about. But could it be that when you're living literally on the edge in the spiritual dimension, that's exactly where God's called you to live? That you're hearing God clearly, and you're doing things, and talking, and discerning, and sharing and and experiencing, you know, miracles and and people coming to know Jesus and sowing seeds in places you never thought you'd be able to sow seeds into people's lives before. I I believe today we need to talk about dangerous prayers because I believe there there are prayers that you got to pray and there are requests that you need to make and there are petitions that need to be offered. Why? Because God loves the people that want to prove him Malachi 310 says prove me or test me and see if I won't be your God prove me test me try me out see if I won't be faithful to you see if I trust me enough to see if I won't be a God that will blow your mind and how does that happen it happens by people that really do that they dare him they test him they try him I have a friend of mine and he's a He's uh, actually a builder. He's a, like a contractor, general contractor. And he was um, asked to work at his oil refinery to build some, some buildings, you know, which is like you know, with wood wood and metal and things like that, and to build some buildings. And, and so that's what he's doing. He knows nothing about oil and oil refinery and all that. He's just building buildings on the refinery's property. And so they, the refinery was approached by the EPA and said, listen, you got so much time before we're going to shut you down. Because you got fire coming up out of your stacks, and you got smoke coming out of that, and we're tired of your pollution. So you're going to have to come up with a solution, or we're shutting you down, and we're going to start finding you. And so they brought all these people together into this room: scientists and engineers and people with doctor's degrees of all matters of life to solve this problem, and my friend, the construction guy, and he's in this room, and he's like, I don't even know why I'm in this room. I, I know nothing about oil. I don't, I don't know anything about vapors and gases, and, and the reason those, those smoke stacks go like that is because when you're storing gas, it creates vapors, and the vapors have to escape or the whole tank will explode. So they, they release the vapors from the tanks, and that's what causes the smoke in uh, the fire from these large uh, pillars that you see in refineries. And so his mama, this is a true story, his mama had always raised him to know the Lord, love the Lord. He loves the Lord very much. and His mama taught him, every day, son, you need to ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask God, if you're going ask him anything else, just ask him to give you wisdom. So he made it a lifestyle to always ask the Lord for wisdom. And so he came out of this meeting, and he had no idea what the solution was because he didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. But he went to bed that night, and he said, God, would you give me wisdom on how to solve this problem? You said in your word in James that if we, if we don't know stuff, we need wisdom to ask you for wisdom. You give us a uh, brave your your word says. And so he went to bed that night, and he began to do that every single night. Before he went to sleep, God, in the nighttime, would you give me wisdom on how to solve this problem? And lo and behold, he began to have dreams in the middle of the night, and God began to give him pictures of valves and pipes and systems and all these incredible things that he knew nothing about. And he began to write them down, draw them out, and begin to ask some people, you know, about this, that, and this, and that, and... And next thing you know, he he built a prototype of a combustor that these vapors could go into and would burn off these vapors and not give off any flares or any smoke or any fire. It would be a clean, safe way to do it. They tested it out, and it worked. And now this man has a business across the country selling combustors to refineries where they can burn off their vapors cleanly And it was all given to him by wisdom from God. Isn't that amazing? I'm I'm telling you, God knows everything. And it doesn't matter what degree you have or don't have. If we ask the Lord, if we begin to press into him and, and just say, God, we want you to just share your heart and your mind with us. I'm telling you, God will do these things. He's just waiting to be asked. So this morning, can we just talk briefly about that? And, 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 I, and, and I, before we even do that, let me just, well, yeah, let's just go ahead and do that. So seven dangerous prayers I need to make. And if you think we're going to talk about seven prayers this morning, you're crazy. Because we don't have time. But we will talk about a couple of them. Dangerous prayers that you need to make. Number one, this is the prayer you need to pray. God, I need you to search me. Now, if you're pulled over on the side of the road by an officer in a blue uniform, and he says, I need to search you, that's not good news. And you're probably wondering, okay, what did I put in my pockets, and is everything my good? You're probably thinking through, you know your vehicle. Searching can be something that brings tear to some people, but to the Christian, this is an important prayer that you need to make. In fact, the psalmist in Psalms 139, he prayed this prayer, he says, God, search me, oh God, know my heart, test me, don't you love that? Everybody say, test me. How many times have you woken up and had your prayer time and said, oh God, by the way, today I want you to test me, not typically a prayer you make. But David says, test me, God, know my anxious thoughts. Anxious thoughts? What does that mean? Did you know you're not supposed to be anxious? God didn't design you to live in in fear and anxiety and stress. He's asking God, God, if if I've got some stress, if I've got some anxiety, test me so I'll know that and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I just want to read Psalms 139, just a few verses of it, and I encourage you to go home today and read Psalms 139. It's a great passage of Scripture. It will encourage your soul in, the, in, the, in a great way. So Psalms 139, let's just kind of break this down just like an outline form of kind of what this prayer that he was making to God was all about. In Psalms 139 verse 1, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. It's not on there. Just listen to me, all right? Or you can look it on your phone. I don't care. Or your Bible, we have, you might have a Bible, How that would be bizarre, but, oh Lord, <coughs> you have searched me, and you know me, and you know when I sit, and you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, and you discern my going out, and my lying down, and you're familiar with all my ways, and before a word is even on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord, that's scary, I mean, oh, well, that's scary. Before you even say it, he's already know what you, he knows what you're going to say. We're talking about this, this, this guy that's beginning to write to us about the fact that God really knows who you are and where you're at. And then he goes on in the uh, same chapter, verses 5 through 12, and, and he talks about how God is everywhere. I wish I had time to read it, but God is everywhere. There's not a place that he can go where he can't get away from God. He says, God, if I go into the to the, into the highest mountain, you're there. If I go into the lowest sea, you're there. If I go to the farthest sea, you're there. If I, there's never a place I can go where you're not going to be there. I, 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 even if I act like a sinner, you're there. If you're in front of me. You're behind me. Your hands are all over me. Even, Lord, if I'm double-minded, you're there. Even if I start living in darkness, you're there. Even if I'm running from you, you're there. You can't get away from God. How aren't you glad you can't get away from God? I love that. He's the hound of heaven, truly is. Verses 13 through 18, I, I just wanted to read, but it, it just it talks about how God has made him so fearfully and he's wonderfully made. And he's been, he's, been, he's been given this gift of life and God knows every intricate detail about his body and his soul and his makeup and his personality and, and, and he knows you, he knows you. And, and then I believe perhaps there was a long pause because his prayer kind of changes. He starts thinking uh, about people that uh, have hurt him and done him wrong. I know I've done that in my, I'm going to confess, I've done that in my own prayer life. I've, 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 I remember one time I was, years ago I was praying and just having a good time with the Lord and and I decided I pray for a person that had done me wrong. And uh, so I started praying for this person that done me wrong. And I and then I started thinking about that conversation that was a very bad conversation that they they had with me. And, and I started getting irritated. And I hear my prayer time, I, next thing you know, I'm I'm telling them off in my mind. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, is this is what I should have said to them. You know, and, I, and I'm going, and I spend like 20 minutes rehearsing that painful experience and getting all upset and I'm like what in the world I'm supposed to be praying and I've turned this into a, 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 a time of anger towards somebody in my past and, and so I said God I'm sorry I forgive me and I just I, I just went out of the room I left it's like that was a bad prayer moment and I think David had the same kind of experience because of this he, he gets sidetracked and he starts saying things like God you need to slay the wicked this is what he says they speak evil of me constantly they're always talking evil against me they hate anything righteous we'd be better off without them in fact I hate those that hate you I just hate them and they're my enemies this is a good prayer time don't you think that's a good prayer time I mean and maybe perhaps like me he had this revelation what in the world am I am I doing and so the the next passage he says, he begins to dawn on him. You know what? I, I need to start thinking in the spirit. I, I need to look at myself because I'm really no better than they are. I need to look at my own flaws. I need to quit putting out, I need to quit picking out their flaws, and I see the Lord look start looking at my own flaws. He kind of came back to reality. I, I had this. This epiphany this past week, I was pulling on the Foley Beach Express, and um, I was going south and um, merging on to the slow lane. I looked, and there was a car coming, but he was in the slow lane, and and so, I'm shooting he was in the fast lane, so I pulled into the slow lane and merged on to the Foley Beach Express, looked in my mirror, and suddenly, to my amazement, that person was right on my bumper. I... It dawned on me that I thought he was in the fast lane, but he was on the slow lane. I pulled really out right in front of him. And I felt terrible about it. I mean, you know, and I looked in the mirror and he's giving me all sorts of these wonderful Hawaiian signals, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with his fingers and everything. He peels around me and gives me the stare, you know, like you idiot. And, and I'm like, I felt like a, it was my fault. I was wrong. And you know, I, I felt bad. I couldn't, I wanted to chase him down and go, look, I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. But anyway. So a couple hours, two hours later, not, no 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 lie, this is truly happen. I was on Highway 59 and uh, I was driving down, having a good time, I had my worship music on, my Christian music on just loving Jesus, driving, talking to Jesus, and this somebody pulled right out in front of me. I slammed on my everything and my you know how things slide in your seats, and everything you can hear it, everything on the floor. And my first thought, I didn't say it, my first thought was, you idiot. So I said, you idiot. And the Lord, just as fast as I thought, that Lord said, you idiot. <laughs> I mean, You're the idiot. You did the same thing two hours ago. What right do you have to say anything to this person? That's, what, that's why it blows my mind when people honk all the time, because they act like they're the perfect drivers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but God made sure. And so, so I just want you to know that, that I, 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 I calmed down immediately, and I asked immediately, just like that, I repented, and I pulled around the side of this individual. I waved at him, gave him a thumbs up. And he got in front of him. Wanted to make sure that they got a good view of my little bumper sticker on the back, you know. <laughs> Come on, cross equals love. I could have just ran into you, but I didn't. God loves you. <laughs> and he prays, God, search me. This is what he prays. God, search me. Know my heart. Test me. And God, know my anxious thoughts. If there's anything offensive in my life, please, God, reveal it to me and lead me out of it. God, show me my own rebellion. What I love about David and his, his authenticity here is that he was a worshiper. David was a guy that just worshipped God. He loved to just get caught up in the presence of the Lord. We talked this past Wednesday night. We had a wonderful prayer time. and The prayer team and worship team was here and And they just did a great job just leading us in worship, and we actually spent more time worshiping than we did praying, which was fine, because that's part of worship's prayer too, but we just loved the Lord. The Lord just began to just kind of speak to us and begin to call us to a place like this of search me, God, and cleanse me purify me, but David was this worshiper, and why worship is so important is because it's the door into his presence. Psalms 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. How do, I, how do I come into God's presence? I come with praise. I come with worship. I come with a thankful heart, and I even express I express it in song. I express it in words. Father, I love you. Father, I praise you. God, you're good. Lord, I love you with all my heart. Oh, Father, you're everything to me. And that's how we begin to enter into his presence. And as worship begins to place our focus on him, it takes the focus off of us which is so important because because we can't think of us and worship is really how we tell God we need him. And it's how we tell God that we love him. And that is how we begin our prayer time. In fact, James 4, 8 says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. God is looking. In other words, another scripture says, God's eye is going to and fro about the earth seeing if he can find a worshiper. I believe in this day and time, there's many believers but there's not many worshipers. And the f- difference between a believer and a worshiper is very, very important because the believers, you know, they're like, I love Jesus, I love God, he's good, he's got everything, and yet still they're selfish inside, they're materialistic inside, they're worldly, they're, they're satisfied with the way things are, and they don't want to ever change. And, but yet a worshiper is different. A worshiper's aspect about a worshiper is that they want, to, they want to live in God's presence. They, they, they want to hear God's voice. They, they, want to, they, they want God to become real in every aspect of their life. They want to bear fruit. They want to see miracles. They, they want to see signs and wonders. They, they want to walk in vision and speak gently and think of others first. They're, they're a whole other type of a person. That's what God's called us to be. Not just a believer, but a worshiper. And it all starts when you pray this dangerous prayer, Lord, search me. Can we all say it together? Lord, Lord search, search me. me. One more time. Lord, Lord search me. Ah. All right, he just heard that. I'm just telling you. He just heard it. I didn't mean to trick you, but it just happened. <laughs> and the second dangerous prayer this morning I want to bring out is that he prayed that we need to pray is that, Lord, we need to ask you to break me. Lord, would you break me? I'm telling you, it's a dangerous prayer, but you need to pray it. How many spouses here in the room this morning, you you, uh, have had these moments of intense fellowship with your other spouse? (laughs) And uh, finally, your spouse is so irritated with you and they just say to you, look, you just need to leave the room for a while or I'm going to rip your head off. I mean, I'm, can I just be real? I've just <laughs> had these kind of conversations. I, or, or maybe they've, they've been like this, like, you know, they don't, they're done with you for right now. They can't cope with this anymore, so they, so they give you the silent treatment. Anybody ever had the silent treatment? Don't give me the silent treatment. I don't do good with the silent treatment. My wife doesn't hardly ever do that. I'm probably more prone to be the one that does that. But, but there's been a time or two where she has. And it drove me crazy. Hey, sweetheart, I knew she was ticked off trying to make, trying to, you know, just try, trying to come around the side and, like, just trying to make this better. Hey, uh, you want to go out to eat tonight? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey, hey uh, can, can, you want to? You know, walk around the Tanger Outlet Mall, get some yogurt or something. I, what, I don't mind. I don't care. And just kind of just one word answers: yes, no. Just the old silence. Yeah, I I, tell, I can't handle it. I got. I. I. Break, she breaks me. I just. I get broken. And I. I. I like. Look, sweetheart. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> or, I'm a little right, but I. But <laughs> we'll talk about it. Come on. And I humble myself. But when you're in a relationship, you can't function if you know know you've hurt someone that you really love. And what I'm saying is that when you're in a relationship with your father and you have offended him or hurt him, then the spirit of the Lord, which is so good to us, he comes in his gentleness and he begins to convict you. Of your wrongness, of this thing that you have done. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He He convicts us. Now it's not condemnation. There's a big difference. Get me. Condemnation is guilt and shame, and it makes you feel. It kind of makes makes you feel like you're nothing and you're unworthy of anything, and you don't even have the strength to get out of bed. But not, not, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the devil. Come on, that's the enemy. He wants to heap condemnation upon him. But the Holy Spirit comes, and he brings conviction. And conviction is sharp. Hebrews talks about a uh, sharper than a two-edged sword. The Word of God just comes, and it cuts asunder the difference between soul and spirit. You know you've done wrong, and you, and you know you need to repent. You know you need to apologize. You, know, you need to ask God for forgiveness. And so God comes, and he says, listen, I'm here to convict you. Because the Lord, Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in their spirits. So we asked the Lord, oh God, search me and test me. And so so, so David, the, one of the greatest examples in the Bible of a person who really displayed brokenness. We, many of you have read the story and you've heard perhaps as a child, but he had everything a man could want, but yet. He wanted something that was another man's, and he lusted after this woman and, and wanted her so bad that instead of, you know, going about things, well, just instead of just going away from that, he decided to manipulate things and, and figure out a way to get her husband killed. And her husband died, and as a result, it, he got her and made her his wife, and eventually they had a child and everything about it. It was adultery. Involved it was manipulation, it was murder involved, everything totally opposite of who David was. Everything opposite of what David ever grew up to be. everything opposite of everything David ever um, lived for and lived as. And there was this dark season, many think it was about a year of his life, where he refused to repent, and he refused to acknowledge he had done wrong. He was so ashamed of himself inside, but he put on this plastic face as if everything was fine and okay. And yet his heart, no doubt. In fact, one of the Psalms where he writes about how this experience played out says, My bones feel like they're being crushed. I feel like I'm losing the life out of my body. This is what's what happens when you're under conviction and you don't do anything about it. And finally, thankfully, the prophet Nathan comes into his presence and begins to call him out and addresses the issue in such a way that David literally falls to his knees and repents and asks God for forgiveness and he's broken he's contrite in heart and he in Psalms 51 you can read it when you get home it's nothing but a whole chapter of David crying out to the Lord, asking him for forgiveness. Restore to me, God, the joy of your salvation. Turn not your face from me. Leave me not, Holy Spirit. I mean, it was incredible prayer he makes. Why? Because he had become broken under the Lord. In fact, I'll read you a portion of it. He says, have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression. It goes on to say, cleanse me with hyssop, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. God, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity and look at this. Create in me, God, a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. And Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Mm. That's the cry, that's the prayer. We need to pray. God, I need you to come into my life. I need you to search me. And God, I need you to break me. You need to break me and search me. I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. And here, if you're here this morning, I encourage you to pray those prayers. I encourage you to pray that kind of a prayer with the Lord. You know, a time of prayer and fasting is a time where we just kind of put all of our focus back on the Lord. And we begin to look at our lives and do like a little search. And we let the Holy Spirit take His microscope and reveal to us things that are not honoring and not healthy for us. It's a time for us to just be real and repent and ask God for forgiveness and realign, push the reset button, get right with the Lord. 21 days, it's, we're only we're a third of the way in and it's been a joy, it's been fun already seeing God do that in our lives. So perhaps you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Today, I invite you into the journey that most of us have taken. I invite you to come and say, man, I need Jesus with everything. I I need to come and ask the Lord for forgiveness. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here this morning you've never asked Jesus in your heart, perhaps you have before. You've walked away from him. My question is, are you ready to give your heart back to Jesus? Are you ready to come to know Jesus? Are you ready to make him the Lord of your life? If you're here this morning you say, Pastor JP, that's me. I, I I want Jesus. I want him to make the Lord of my life. I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not gonna call you out. But I do want to see you raise your hand because I want to pray for you right where you're sitting. I'm just gonna say a prayer right here for you and others. So that's you. say, Pastor JP, I want to know Jesus. As my Lord is my Savior, would you raise your hand? Right, right where you're at. Just raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. We've all prayed, many of us have all prayed that prayer before. Awesome. Good trust that we're all saying the same thing so let me lead one more time let me lead in a prayer just on these things we've talked about this morning lord search me and lord break me you'd be so kind just to pray with me as i pray out loud father we ask you this morning to search us and to look at our lives Begin to reveal to us things that are unhealthy, perhaps not pleasing. Search. We give you permission to search. We we open up the book of our life to you. We submit it to you. Search. Search us. Holy Spirit, you have permission to reveal to us Maybe it's selfishness, maybe it's materialism, fear, anxiety, all sorts of things. Father, just reveal, show us. And then, Father, break us that we will not be content or happy until we are right with you and one another. It might mean we have to have a hard conversation with somebody and ask him for forgiveness. But Lord, just like David, we just we kneel down and we just say, Father, break us. Break us completely. And we thank you that you hear these kind of prayers. They're tough prayers. They're dangerous prayers. But oh, they're so good for us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you and give you all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God some praise this morning for that? Can we do that? Well, we're not done yet. I just want to take just one moment, lastly. And uh, I, uh, every once in a while, probably when you were growing up, you've experienced this. Perhaps your dad would call you and go, hey, we need to have a family meeting. Anybody ever had one of those? Yeah, my kids hate family meetings. But we need to have just a family meeting for just a second. Here's what I want to talk about um, just real quickly. And then we're going to take communion and close out service. But uh, around the 1st of December, my wife and I began to walk through a situation, specifically her more than me, and um, through that process uh, before Christmas, we found out that uh, my wife um, has breast cancer, and uh, but the good thing is, it's we believe it's caught it early, and uh, so that's good, and um, so we're gonna be we're in the process of getting that taken care of, and uh, she'll be having surgery the first of next first part of next month, and things like that, and so we've just kind of been walking through that uh, this past month. And um, and we want to share that with you because we know you're our friends. And um, we didn't want you to find out about it through the grapevine and, and uh, then be offended that we never told you. So we didn't know how to figure that out. So we just, let's just tell everybody. And uh, plus, I said, Melissa, how, this is actually hers. I said, well, how do you want to handle this moving forward? And she said, well, we preach authenticity. We preach being transparent, right? And I said, yeah. She says, well, that's what we got to do. We just got to be authentic and transparent. I said, yeah, that's, so that's what we're doing. And uh, we appreciate you praying for us and walking with us through that. My wife's been just a, a stellar, uh, just hero through all of this. And um, just the grace of God's been all over her and the mercy of God. And quite frankly, I truly believe this is just a, um, a cheap shot from the enemy. That's what I believe. That's, that's truly what I believe. And I believe he's uh, taken this opportunity to try to knock the breath out of us uh, because, you know, what we're doing, we're taking ground. And we stirred up the hornet's nest, and uh, he wants to bite. But the good thing is he don't have teeth. He just have gums. He, the, the devil will have teeth. He can just lie. That's all he can do. So we're excited about this journey in the sense that we get to see our faith kind of move to another uh, dimension, and not to, b- to belittle anybody else, because we know lots of you have experienced and are experiencing trials of your own, and we don't want to make our, you know, experience any, you know, bigger than anybody's. We don't want to highlight ours. It's just that we felt that as leaders, we need to tell you about it uh, as well. So, so we're going to take our communion this morning, and um, I didn't bring my communion cup, Melissa. If you could throw me one. Um, I'll try to catch it. Thank you. Uh, And what we're going to do is, um, actually, I I thought maybe this would be a great way to kind of close out our time. Uh, We're going to take communion, and we're going to sing a song after we're done, and uh, and we'll dismiss you. Uh, But hopefully you have one of these. If if you you don't, um, just sip on your neighbors, you know, just tell them to break that bread with you come on there's not much to break but you figure it out i'm gonna ask my wife to come and I'm have pastor kemp and his wife carol to come as well to stand here in front of us and um oh, i keep forgetting but and um so we're gonna break bread together what i love about the bread and communion is and and we actually we've been taking communion every day uh because we see the power of communion. We're not, we're not waiting, you know, once a month to take it. We're, we're doing it every day at home because in this little, this little wafer, it's just a little wafer, it's a little piece of bread, but it symbolizes something very valuable to us. It symbolizes the healing power of God. He said, I, I've been broken. I've, Jesus said, I went, I'm going to the cross to be broken for you. For, for you and for me and for all of you, I'm being broken. So on that cross, I'm going to buy back your healing. And so that's what we're going to take in a minute. I'm going to ask Pastor Kemp, Miss Carol. He has the freedom as one of the great overseers of our house to just share whatever you want to say. So take the floor.
1: I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, all over the building. First of all, I just uh, I want to commend our Pastor and our our lovely pastor's wife for their transparency here today and their openness with us. Uh, I'm speaking to you as, uh, Carol and I are speaking to you today as folks that have been through this. Uh, You've heard my saying, nobody understands a toad that has been run over by a wagon wheel better than a toad that has been run over by a wagon wheel. 17 years ago, 17 years ago, I got a call that nobody wants to get and was told that I had cancer 17 years ago, took my breath. Nobody in my family had ever had cancer. My grandfather lived to be 92. My father lived to be 99 years old. To tell me that I had cancer, I couldn't believe it. And so it just kind of took my breath. I met with our elders and we what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And I felt like the Lord gave us a word of wisdom through our eldership. They said, Pastor, we, we teach and preach that we are to call for the elders of the church and to request prayer. I think we need to just tell the whole church. And uh, I was on television at that time every day, every day. I told the television audience. I told the whole city. I told the church people said why are you doing that i said because number 1 i want them to hear it from me as it really is and number 2 i want everybody's prayer that i can possibly get and i want to commend you for taking this step right here how many of you how many of you here today know that he really hit the nail on the head this is a cheap shot of satan because god is doing great things in this place and the good news is, the good news is we evidently are doing the right thing or the devil wouldn't even have noticed. You wouldn't have noticed. Can I that's hear right. an amen to that? That's, that's right. Satan is not worried about some folks because they're no threat. That's right. Amen. But the good news is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Take that piece of bread in your hand and hold it for just a moment. 1 Corinthians 11, for I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and brake it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Stop for a moment and think about that. That was a reference to the brokenness of the body of Jesus. At the crucifixion, through the stripes that he bore for the healing of our sicknesses and our diseases. Isaiah, 700 years before this happened, prophesied. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. Peter wrote of this on the other side of Calvary in 1 Peter 2 and moved the verse a little bit. He said, by his stripes you were healed. Sister Melissa, I want to tell you something. Healing has already been accomplished in your body by the stripes of Jesus Christ. By his stripes you were healed. But not only you, Every one of you in this yes. room, I believe yes. that God wants to turn this moment right now yes. into a great healing service. Yes. If you're here today and you have sickness in your body, let me finish my story. Seventeen years later, I am cancer free Come on. Amen. Yes, by Jesus. the broken body amen. of Jesus Christ. That's right. God is a miracle worker. Amen. Can I hear an amen, amen. to that? I want you to join me right now. Just the bread. Let's take the bread together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your son, Jesus Christ, did for us at the cross. His body broken and bruised and striped for the healing of our sickness and disease. At this moment, Lord, we join together. Stretch your right hand toward this woman. We join together and we lay our hands upon this mighty woman of God in the name of Jesus that they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Lord, that's your word and we declare it today. From the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, let your healing virtue flow through her body in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, that not one symptom will be left in her body, but that she will be completely and totally healed with your power and grace bestowed upon her today. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for this man of God as he stands by his wife. Give him strength, wisdom. Give him, Lord Jesus, courage. Enable him, Lord, to encourage her and to stand in faith. And, Lord, I pray for every person in this room that needs healing in their body right now. If that's you, if that's you, lift up your hand right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we sense the awesomeness of your presence in this house. Bring healing to every sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord, right now. Right now, in Jesus' name, I want you to praise God right now for your healing. I want you to receive it, and I want you to praise God for it right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, pick up the cup, if you will. 1 Corinthians 11, and likewise, he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood Mm. which is shed for you. Mm. Just as his broken body brought healing for our sickness and disease, so his shed blood Mm. brings forgiveness and cleansing of all of our sins. Mm. This morning, if there is sin in your life you don't have to live another moment like that because the blood of Jesus washes our sin away Lord Jesus thank you for your precious blood we today receive that we appropriate the total atonement in our spirit soul and body in Jesus name and Jesus said For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, Mm. you do show the Lord's death
0: Mm.
1: till he come. Mm. As members of the body of Christ, shall we take this cup together? Just take a moment. Don't rush by this. Take a moment. Oh, there's a sacred moment here right now. Take a moment right now thank you Jesus yeah. thank you Jesus Yeah. thank you Jesus
0: thank you Father
1: thank you Jesus i going to ask you to remain standing for just a moment could I have a little talk to you as a wayfaring pilgrim that's been there and done that as a family could I just talk to you as as the Summit family This is a time for us to stand together like never before Mm -hmm. with our pastor and our pastor's wife. The Bible said, one, she'll put a thousand to flight, two, she'll put 10,000 to flight. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Now, let me give you a little counsel, if I may do that. Let me encourage you today to continue to pray. On a daily basis, for Sister Melissa and for Brother JP, make a little covenant right now that you're going to pray. The Bible said pray without ceasing. I want to to encourage you to do that. The second thing I want to do is I want to encourage you to be very careful what you say. How many of you know words are important? That's right. Don't let any words of doubt come out of your mouth mm-hmm. to anyone mm-hmm. at any level. Mm-hmm. Speak God's word. Come on. What is his word? Mm-hmm. By his stripes I am healed.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. That's right. Amen. Now, one last thing. One last thing. Let me encourage you. Our church now is Summit Church. How many of you thank God for this church? Oh my goodness. Our church now is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. We're doing this three times a day, just like you see it here right now. Boy, my wife's the most faithful member. She said to me last night, we're going to all three services tomorrow. <laughs> I kind of gave her the Melissa answer, whatever. <laughs> no, I said, Yes, we are. But there are hundreds of people that come to church here. Let's not make our pastor and our pastor's wife answer the same question hundreds of times. Come on, encourage them, pray for them, but let's not bombard them with unnecessary questions and information, I'm calling upon the folks that can do this to communicate with us and how many of you know this is the age of communication? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regarding the process, the next steps, what's happening, they can let us know and they don't have to explain it hundreds and hundreds of times. How many of you think that's good counsel? Yeah. Yeah, five of you do. That's, yeah. that's great. <laughs> no, Believe me, I've been there and done that. So let me encourage you today. Something happened this past, I guess it was last week. I had no idea we were going to be in a moment like this, but I'm driving to Arkansas. My wife and I are driving to Arkansas. And we're not having a fuss, but we are in a moment of silence, Mm -hmm. Pastor. There, There is no conversation going on in the car. She's over there doing this. How many of you know what this is? I mean, nothing is being said. All of a sudden, she burst out laughing, just laughing out loud. I said, what was that about? What is that about? She said, i got to read you something. She got a text from a young woman that she mentored back in Arkansas years ago that, I mean, was going through terrible times. And she said, "Miss Holden, when I, I read this, and I thought of you. And I thought I would send it to you. And this is what it said. It said, if in life... You find yourself having to walk through hell. Walk through it like you own it. Come on. And then she added her own commentary. She said, Miss Holden, when I read that, I thought of this and I thought of you. Therefore, I'm saying to you, I'm putting on my high heel shoes and matching purse and walking through it with my shoes and my purse. Come on, girl. Get your shoes on. You're going to walk through this. Well, let's just celebrate right now. In the name of God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Can I just bless you today as they get ready to sing? We're going to sing a song here in a moment. Pastor's going to dismiss us. Put your right hand up high. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, rising up and lying down, coming in and going out. May all that you put your hand to be wonderfully blessed of the Lord. I want you to worship like you mean it today. Pastor, thank you.
0: Well, we know that God is good. We encourage you to be here this Wednesday for a night of prayer. Let's fill this place up and seek the Lord with all of our heart. Turn to somebody this morning and tell them God is good. All the time, you're dismissed. God bless you. Have a great, great week. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to visit us online at summitchurch.tv or follow us on
1: Facebook and Instagram at summitchurch.tv.